Well, we are in week three of our sermon series called A Lasting Legacy. And you know, when you think about it, each and every one of us is building a legacy that we are going to leave behind long after we are gone. And you know what? The choice is really up to us, the legacy that we're going to leave. We're going to leave one whether we like it or not. And so today we're going to be talking about leaving a legacy of disobedience to God or leaving a legacy of obedience to God. And I got to tell you, I love you guys, I trust you guys, and I know without a shadow of a doubt because you are here today or you're worshiping online with us today that you don't intend to live a life of disobedience to God. Why would you be here, right? You want to live a life that is obedient to God and God's word. You're interested in that, and we're going to learn about that today. But you know what? Each and every single one of us at times, at least on occasion, has been disobedient to God. That's the human condition, isn't it? Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we've been struggling with disobedience to God. I mean, if we weren't ever disobedient, we'd be perfect. We'd be sinless, and we wouldn't need a Savior. And yet we all know how very much we need a Savior, Jesus Christ. I know I do. Well, learning to be obedient to God is arguably one of the most important qualities of being a Christ follower. Because when we're disobedient to God, we live according to our own will, to our own desires, and not according to God's will and God's desires. And when we're disobedient, we put ourselves in charge of our lives instead of allowing God to take charge of our lives. We may be praying we may be studying the Bible, but if we aren't obedient to God and what we're learning, we won't be putting any of that into practice. Prayer and Bible study and other forms of piety are all really important characteristics of a Christ follower, but they all come out of being obedient to Christ. Because, you see, when we say yes to Christ, Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. What we're really saying is we want our number one goal in life to become growing more and more into the likeness of Christ, the image of Christ. And when we think about the life that Jesus lived, he lived a life of perfect obedience to God. Now, I think there are several reasons why we find it so hard to be completely obedient to God, or sometimes even refuse to be completely obedient to God. And the first reason is this. I think we're always afraid that God is going to ask us to do something that we really don't want to do. He might ask us to spend some time with people that we really don't like to spend time with. He might ask us to move to another part of the country that isn't home to us, or maybe even to a different country in the world. He might call us into a career that we just can't imagine ourselves doing. Well, Abraham received a very difficult request from God. We read about it this past week in our Bible reading plan, and we're going to be focusing on Genesis chapter 22 today. I'm going to beginning now, be beginning now with verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, 
Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him to go. On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, obviously, God asked Abraham to do something that he did not want to do. I mean, can you imagine how you would react if God asked you to sacrifice your son or your daughter or anyone else for that matter? I mean, I can't imagine a more difficult thing for God to ask of any parent. And when you think about it, this was really a very unusual thing for God to ask anyway. I mean, God abhorred child sacrifice. He hated it. The people of the nations that lived around Abraham in the land of Palestine, they offered children in sacrifice to their pagan gods all the time. God hated that. In fact, God had written some instructions, you can read about them in Leviticus 20, that said that if anyone in Israel sacrificed one of their children to Moloch, a, pa a pagan god, that they themselves were to be put to death. That's how much God hated child sacrifice. Now, God had already asked a lot of things of Abraham over the years. He'd asked him to leave his homeland and move far away to Canaan, a land he didn't know anything about, a land he'd never seen before, a land where he didn't even own any land. And Abraham did it. He was obedient and followed God. Later, God asked Abraham and Sarah, his wife, to trust him, to have faith in him, that together with him they would bear a son through whom the promise of God's covenant with Abraham to give him many, many offspring and make his family into a great nation would come to fruition. And that son's name was Isaac. And now God asked Abraham to sacrifice him. Abraham had already spent a lot of years following God. And in those years, there had been some ups, there had been some downs. There had been some twists and there had been some turns and I think Abraham had learned to have faith and trust in the Lord more and more and more through those experiences. Putting ourselves completely in the hand of God and being obedient to God in all things means putting God in the number one spot in our lives. Before our son or our daughter, before our wife or our husband, 
before our parents, before careers, before hobbies, before everything. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And in this passage, God, Abraham does not question God. He doesn't argue with God. He doesn't say, but God, this is my son, the one that you promised to me and Sarah so many years ago, the one through whom you said the promise of descendants would come. He didn't do that. Instead, Abraham began the 50-mile journey from Beersheba to Mount Moriah early the next morning with Isaac and a couple of servants. And after three days, Abraham saw the mountain there in the distance. And despite this incredibly difficult task that God was asking of Abraham, Abraham still tells his servants to wait for them because Abraham and Isaac are going to go to the mountain and they're going to worship God. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it a lot easier to worship God when things are going well in my life, don't you? When the good shepherd is taking me through green pastures and beside still waters. But what about when he takes you through Death Valley or when you get laid off or when your kid runs off the rails or your spouse says, so long, I'm leaving you. I learn an amazing lesson from Abraham in this passage. Even in the midst of this agonizingly difficult situation that he finds himself in, he still worships God. And so does Isaac. And he has such faith as to tell his servants, we will come back. We will return to you. Abraham doesn't know yet what God is going to do or how God is going to do it, but he trusts God, and he's obedient to God. When Isaac asks his father where the lamb for the burnt offering is, Abraham answers him that God will provide the lamb. And so one barrier to being obedient to God is thinking that he's going to ask us to do something that we don't want to do. And a second barrier is thinking that we know what's best for our lives. Well, Abraham had already learned this lesson once before, hadn't he? Remember the story of how he and his wife Sarah had tried to take the promise of a child into their own hands. And when they were getting on in years and not conceiving, instead of having, giving birth through Sarah, his wife, Sarah offered Abraham her maidservant, Hagar. And together, through that union, they had a son, Ishmael, that brought pain and heartache to the family. And so this time, Abraham decides not to take matters into his own hands. He, he trusts that God has a plan and that, that, that he doesn't understand it at the moment, but he's just going to trust it. My friend, God has a plan for your life, too, and mine as well. 
And it's a plan that has our best interest at heart because it comes from the heart of God himself. And so instead of fighting against the plan that God has for us when it comes to our relationship or the sin that we try and hide in our life or our career path or any road that seems scary and unknown because we can't see the end of it, we can trust him. We can be obedient to God and God's plan for our life. There's one more barrier to, obe to obedience that often gets in our way, I think. And that comes when we become afraid that whatever we give to God might be taken away from us permanently by God. Let's pick up our scripture again in verse 9. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Well, it truly seemed like the thing that Abraham was being asked to give God, his only son Isaac, was going to be taken away from him permanently. It's the hardest thing to do sometimes, isn't it? To let go completely, to completely surrender to God the thing that we so deeply love. I mean, it's a real test of our faith, isn't it? To surrender anything that we cherish to God. And what could we possibly cherish more than our own child? Yet Abraham trusted God. And he was obedient to God. He even worshipped God in the middle of not knowing what was being asked of him. Abraham was obedient even to the point of building a sacrificial altar of putting the wood on that altar, of binding his son Isaac and of raising the knife. And in that instant, an angel of the Lord stopped Abraham and called out to him not to lay a hand on the boy. God provided everything Abraham needed to build the ultimate, complete, and total trust in God through Abraham's obedience. He provided a ram in the thicket that made the perfect sacrifice in place of Abraham's son, Isaac. God did not ask Abraham to do anything that God wasn't willing to do himself. God, Abraham, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, and yet he provided a substitutionary sacrifice in the form of a ram in the thicket. And when we were caught and trapped in our sin and disobedience to God, God provided a substitutionary sacrifice for us as well, his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, and he died so that we might be spared death and live. 
And because Jesus was obedient even unto death on the cross, God raised him from the dead and highly exalted him above everything else so that he is king of kings and lord of lords over all the earth. Let's see how God rewarded Abraham for his obedience. I'm picking up again this time in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You see, God blesses Abraham and his obedience. He reaffirms the covenant to bless Abraham and to give him more descendants than he can possibly even imagine. And he promises to give those descendants cities, the cities where his enemies live, so that they will have a place to call home. And God promises that through Abraham's descendants, all the people on earth will be blessed. You see, because Abraham didn't hold back, because he obeyed God, he received abundant blessings from God. And you know, most of the time we think that when we receive a blessing from God or the blessings that we have from God, they're, they're for us to, to bless us and make us happy. But, but the thing is, when God gives us blessings, he blesses us and so they overflow and become a blessing to everyone in the world. But it all comes through obedience. God requires obedience over and over again through the scriptures, God requires obedience. He required it of Adam and Eve. He required it of Moses. He required it of the Israelites and of the prophets. He required it of Peter and of Paul and of every Christian. God has never been too shy to bring up good old-fashioned obedience. In fact, it's his constant counsel to the leaders we see in Scripture. We see him speak words of obedience to Moses and Joshua, to David and to Solomon, to name a few. But most importantly, we see it in the words of Jesus himself to his followers. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And every time that God calls for obedience, we are told that if we obey, it will go well with us. And if we don't obey, we will have hardship and trouble and heartache. God really spells that out for the Israelites when they're about to cross over the Jordan River and into the Promised Land after wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. You can read the details of it in Deuteronomy chapter 11. But here are a few verses. Verse 8 says, Observe therefore all the commands I'm giving you today, so that you may have strength to go in and take over the land that is flowing with milk and honey. But verse 16 says, Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them, and then the Lord's anger will burn against you. And verse 26, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, the curse if you disobey the command of the Lord your God and turn away from the way I command you. 
You see, we're always tempted, aren't we, by competing promises. Now, it might be our family that we end up making a higher priority than God is. And we are called to love and to care for our family, but we can never do so in a way that makes them more important than God. Our family is a gift to us from God. We need to be like those early disciples, James and John, who when they were called by Jesus, they left their fishing nets on the beach and their father in the boat, and they went and they followed Jesus. It might be our possessions. And I know that a nice home and a nice car and some money in a savings account and other possessions are really good. But the problem comes when we begin to put too much stock in them when we let them become our identity or we think that they belong solely to us instead of seeing them as being on loan to us from God. We're called to be good stewards of the blessings that God has given us while we're here on earth. We're not called to be like the rich young ruler who wanted to follow Jesus, but he was so wrapped up in his possessions that he couldn't do it. It might be our position or our job. We might like the status that we have in our job or the power that we hold in our job, and we let that take priority over God. My friends, there are lots of mountains in Moriah, lots of competing priorities. I've named just a few. And maybe for you it's something else. I don't know. But whenever we fail to make God the one and only priority in our life, we end up on this slippery slope of disobedience. And if we begin to listen carefully, we will hear God's voice saying to us, take your dot, 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 whatever it is, you fill in the blank, and sacrifice it to me. But when we do make God our one and only priority in life, then every other priority falls into its proper place, and we can serve God and obey God joyfully. So is anything holding you back from total surrender to obeying God today? What stands in the way between you and God this morning? What is it that is more important to you in your life than God is? My friend, God loves you, and he cares about your heart. He tests the purity of our love and the consistency of our obedience because he loves us and wants to draw himself draw us closer to himself. James 1, 22 to 25 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. My friends, other people in your life see the choices that you make when you are faced by life's challenges, big challenges and little challenges, but especially the big ones. Like, do you obey God when he asks you to forgive that person who you think is unforgivable? Do you obey him when he tells you to Move away from that relationship that's unhealthy in your life. Do you obey him when he calls you to confront a family member with an unhealthy lifestyle? Do you obey him when he tells you to give up an unhealthy habit? 
My friend, I can guarantee you that you're going to be challenged as you submit to God in your life. I know I have been and I continue to be. And he's probably going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. And he may ask you to get rid of something that you don't really want to let go of. But I can also promise you that the reward is going to be so much greater than the struggle that you may go through or the loss that you temporarily experience. And God has done this for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, and to give us the power and the strength to do what God asks of us. My friend, God's love for you is unconditional. He will test you to draw you closer to him. But remember, the law of God gives perfect freedom. And the way you respond to the tests in your life will influence the people around you right now, and it will become a part of your legacy. My friend, you are leaving a legacy, whether you know it or not. Will it be a legacy of obedience? I mean, really, isn't that the legacy you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren? I know it is for me. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, we give you thanks for your word and for all your commandments. They are like manna for us, feeding us and nourishing us. And we thank you, God, that uh, you have given us um, the example of Abraham and Isaac. God, help us to put our trust in you more and more. Help us to spend time in your word every day. Help us to grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh, so that we might put on flesh for the world and introduce them to the life-giving law of freedom that comes only from you. God, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, and we offer our lives to you. We lay down those things that we have made more important to you, and we sacrifice them before you. And we ask, dear God, that you would lead us into a life of perfect obedience to you, in which we would find perfect freedom, which blesses us and overflows to be a blessing to this world that you love so much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.